Hey guys, it's Brennan Sweeney from Coach's Cradle Podcast. Today we have on Coach Christy Bartlett from NC State. She is the Assistant Athletic Director and the Director of Strength Conditioning at NC State in the Triangle area. She takes over men's soccer and volleyball for the Wolfpack. She has experience in the NFL and the XFL and many other colleges. She spent nine years at the University of Pennsylvania working with some legendary coaches. She gets into that during the podcast. She's a North Carolina native going to UNC Charlotte and helping out with Davidson as well. And so she has a lot of background in the area. She's a great person to talk to and reach out to. If you're looking for more information about her, you can find her on NC State's website or you can just reach out to her on Instagram. Without further ado, here is Christy Bartlett. start out thank you christy for being with us today I'm, I'm excited to have you on i know you're gonna have a lot to to talk about and, and a lot of really good information to share i think we start off with just telling telling us about your journey towards nc state and how you got here i know it's been a it's been a really really interesting background for you and, and i think you've accomplished a lot in, in a short amount of time um let's see i got introduced to strength and conditioning while I was playing basketball. I played down at Winthrop starting off there. And um, I asked my strength and conditioning coach, tell me I want to do exactly what you want to do. You get to wear sweatpants and hang out with, you know, athletes all day. What do I got to do? And so he said, he told me to start volunteering. So my first internship was back in 2003 or four, and it was at NC State. So I came here for the summer, I worked with Chris Moreland and uh, Charles Stevenson, was there for the summer and then went back to school, um, started reading articles about strength and conditioning and the collegiate side and stuff like that. And from there, I read an article by Jim Steele. Jim Steele was then the um, uh, head strength and conditioning coach over at University of Pennsylvania. And I was like, I'm going to work for this guy. This is the guy I'm going to work for. I have to. And so I graduated. I'm sorry. I start. I emailed Jim Steele and was like, you got a job for me. And this is me. I'm in my sophomore year of college. And he's like, no. And who is this? And like, I have internships, but you know, who are you? And I was like, you know, I introduced myself and he's like, I got an internship. So of course I call my parents and I'm like, I'm moving to Philadelphia. And they're like, you are, you have basketball and you're in school for what? And they're like, I got a job. It's like the opposite of the Will Smith story. (laughs) I was like, I got a job. And they're like, doing what? I said, it's an internship. They're like, that's not a job. <laughs> they were like, it'll be there. And so I finished my graduate or my undergrad. And then during that time, I, I decided I was told to go get my master's degree. So I went and got my master's degree in clinical exercise phys down in UNC Charlotte. And while I was there, I was volunteering in strength and conditioning departments at uh, Davidson College yeah. and UNC, at UNC Charlotte. And uh, so I did that. And then after I graduated with my undergrad degree, I started applying for jobs like everybody else does. And for six months, I was applying for everything. I saw AD positions, head jobs, didn't matter. Mm -hmm. And I got a position. I got a call from Kevin DeWeese at Moorhead State at the time. And he said, I got a job for you. Um, Can you interview? And I'm like, of course. And um, it was a graduate assistant job. And I, they offered it to me after the interview. And I was like, I already got my master's degree. I just graduated. Is there a way that we can turn this into a part-time gig? He's like, yeah, let me check. He comes back. He's like, yeah, we can make it a part-time gig. 
let's go. Um, I need you here in a week and a half. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I'm like 10 hours away. And I'm like, all right. So I drop, you know, I pack all my stuff up and made a blonde move to Moorhead, Clearfield, Kentucky. And January was there for a year. Um, U University of Pennsylvania opened up a position that was a full time gig. And there was an. Um, so I applied for that. Um, got flown out to Philadelphia. Didn't get the job. He calls me. Jim still calls me. He's like, you did great on the interview. Everything was fantastic but we're not going to give you the position. We're not going to give you the full-time. We don't think you're ready yet. He was like, but we have a part-time gig for you to move in. And I was like, sweet. And, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the call, like crying. I'm upset. I'm like, man, I really wanted that full-time gig. He was like, no, 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 no. We're going to offer you a, a part-time gig. You still can come. We just, we had a uh, Tracy Zimmer was part-time at that point. And is that the girl they, in Florida right now? Yeah. 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 Um, so she got moved up to the full-time gig and I moved into the part-time gig. I moved to Philadelphia. I went from $10,000 at Moorhead State to like $13,000 in Philadelphia. And I was like, I got a raise. I got a raise. Let's go. So I moved to Philadelphia and then I was there for a year. And then I, I had been interviewing for jobs and I got James Madison. James Madison called me, worked with Greg Werner and those guys down there um, for shit, like five months. Before I left, I told Steele I was a, I got the James Madison thing. He's like, don't leave. Don't leave. I'm going to make you full time. Don't leave. And I was like, I got to go. I got to go because you're not, you know, you can't get it on paper right now, but I got to go. And he was like, all right, I'm telling you don't leave. Three months later or three or four months later, he calls me. He's like, I got a full time gig for you coming back. And I was like, yes. So then I moved back to Philadelphia and got the full time benefited position and was there for nine years. After nine years, um, Steele resigned, and then we got new administration, new head strength coaches, and our staff got let go. And then so I decided that, you know, I wanted to stay in coaching, so I started working at Bryn Mawr College, which is a, little, a D3 school right outside of the city, um, all-women's school. They had a part-time strength and conditioning job open, so I took that and worked like three to eight every day, Monday to Friday until the XFL called me, Roger Marandino, who was with the Colts and Brown for forever. Um, I, he called me up and said, do you want to come work at the XFL? And I'm like, of course. Um, so I drop everything, go to the XFL. Um, and then halfway through that season, it stops because of COVID. And then it stops. Um, then it went bankrupt. I'm like, oh, I'm on the couch again. And so then I get a call from Tracy and asked me if I would be interested in working with um, working in the NFL. And if so, she put me in contact with a couple of people. She put me in contact with a couple of people and I got interviewed. And next thing I know, I was at the Tennessee Titans. Um, so I was there with the Tennessee Titans for a year. And then I had been applying for collegiate jobs, NC State, NC State calls, interview, get the job. And I was here in March 2021, and I've been here ever since. Yeah, very, very up and down. I when we had talked earlier, I didn't know you were moving around around like that. That must have been crazy. What yeah. Was, uh, what was it about Jim Steele that made you want to work for him so bad? Ah, I, I can't remember the article that he wrote, but um, he was he he talked big just about being strong and 
I, I, I love that. And it was very simple. He's, you know, he's just, he breaks things down to where it's like simple. And as you know, he does it for the athletes. He does it for everybody he talks to. He takes everything and then kind of just makes it digestible. And as a, as a young, you know, aspiring strength coach, I was like, Oh my God, like, yes, yes, yes. And so, and he was easy to talk to. He was laid back. As soon as I got off the plane, I remember when he interviewed me, as soon as I got off the plane, I told him, I said, man, I hate flying. I can't stand it. I hate it. So I take volume after volume. And uh, he's like, how was your flight? And I was like, man, I'm a little messed up right now. I took a bunch of value and I had a couple of drinks on the flight to calm myself down. And he just starts dying laughing. And he's like, you're going to fit in real well over here. And it was like, we were both very comfortable around each other and both pretty laid back. So it was good. Yeah. It, good. it sounds like he's very, uh, very loyal too to his employees. I mean, how many people are going to call up someone that just left them to be like, come back here right now. Like I have that. Right. Like, you're ready. Um, yeah. What sports are you in charge of right now for NC state? Um, right now I'm working with men's soccer and volleyball. Yeah. So the next question we have, right. Is you were the XFL, NFL. I think the people would, would, you know, assume that the communication styles have to be, or should be very different in terms of how you communicate information or how you keep players in check. How does your communication style differ from when you're talking to uh, someone on the Tennessee Titans versus someone on the NC state men's soccer team? I mean, it kind of depends on the athlete you're working with. I mean, as far as, you know, you're both, I guess both in both instances, you're looking to partner up with the athlete. Now with like the Titans and the professional stuff, they've been training for X amount of years. They've been through the collegiate scene and you're literally trying to just manage injuries with those guys and on the professionals in the um in the professional setting so that conversation is a little bit different you give them a little bit more of a training menu and things like that whereas maybe with a freshman men's soccer team it's like given the sport you know that it's not necessarily a strength training based sport nor strength based sport where they like embrace lifting weights and things like that so it's like, okay, we're going to do a squat variation. This is what you're going to do. This is the variation that we're going to do today. It's more of I'm telling some of those younger guys what exactly they're going to be and, and then just try to relate it to their sport and how that's going to benefit them on the field um, as opposed to always just working on their skills. Um, and then as, as they move along through their collegiate process, you do begin to like partner up and create an alliance with your, your athletes, as far as giving them a bigger training menu. Like you get to choose, take ownership of your program. What days do you want to come in? What days fit better with your schedule and so forth. So. Yeah. Um, in terms of discipline, right. I think football players have it. I shouldn't say easier, but it's kind of, you have a bigger menu of, of discipline. So like if someone comes in late, you can up down them, you can do uh, rolling with them or just anything like that. Um, how do you set a standard in a weight room when maybe the team isn't that lifting based sport um, where, you know, I've heard that, you know, in, in large part, if you physically, if you give them like a physical punishment for one of those non-lifting based sports, they're just going to like F it off and like, Oh my God, I hate this place so much. Or football, it's like more the standard. Have you uh, felt a a challenge in kind of disciplining some different sports like that? Um, I think starting off, it was these are expectations um, with any of the sport. I'm gonna teach. I'm gonna treat you guys like grown people, grown women, or grown men until 
you prove to me you need to be treated like, you know, a toddler or something like that, where I'm going to, you know, hold your hand and things like that. So the expectation is set um, as to we need to communicate. Um, you need to give me 100 percent of your effort when you're in here. If you can't give me 100 percent of your, you know, your effort today, you need to at least communicate to me why. Um, act like an adult. I mean, use your use your words and um, know that there are this is part of your job and you're here to do your job. Those things are told every day that they're come they come in every day and then like every time they come in, they know what to expect from me and I know what to expect from them and it just starts becoming a part of the culture because after a while I don't have to say anything. I'll have a couple of the guys chirping to the other guys. Like you need to do this, you need to do that. Right. Then I'm just kind of sitting back. Yeah. 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 Um, is there a team that you've worked with that's been the easiest out of all of them, or maybe a sport that's the easiest to you that you can relate uh, to the most? They're all the same age. It's they're I mean, like they're 18 to 22. They're all college kids. And they're all college kids and they're all just nutty in their own right. You know, and I mean that in the best way. Like, um, the, the strength-based sports are a little bit easier because you don't have to convince them so much that lifting is, is good for them. Volleyball is fantastic to work with. They know that they need to be strong. I mean, same thing with softball and baseball. Get strong as shit and get strong as shit. We're in football, same diff, same thing. Um, where soccer, you got to kind of finesse them into it. And, you know, they, they want to work their upper body, but their legs are like, you know, let's just – Settle down here, that kind of thing. But uh, I like working with all uh, all of the all of the athletes. At this point in my career, I used to be like, "Oh, I want to work with this team. I want to work with this team." Um, but after a while, they just they're all eighteen to twenty one years old, twenty two years old, and just you know, yeah, you don't have to account for for that big of differences. I think I noticed early on, you know, oh, the football players are coming in hungover after a certain time of the day. Oh, and the the distance running team is coming in hungover. Yeah, they I guess they are college kids. Like they all, yeah. they all like to get after. They they have very similar lives. Um, as you're as you're climbing through the system, what were some adversities that you had faced while you're trying to go out and get jobs, get interviews? Did you think the process was a little unfair? Were you expecting um, to get not called back by some teams, or or how did that system work for you? Um, I, I guess the lack of response um, from some jobs that you've applied to is big. It's like I've applied for a job or I've even interviewed with you on a Zoom call or even in person, like you flew me out and then I don't hear from you at all, even after being reached out completely unprofessional. And I'm like, that's that's wild to me, given that we're all adults and you can't have an uncomfortable conversation with me to tell me that I didn't get the job. It's clear, yeah. but um, that that's probably been the most of it. Like, you know, maybe um, that's as far as applying for jobs, that's probably one of the big, the bigger pieces that's kind of annoying and averse. Um, you know, grant proposals for, not grant proposals, uh, uh, salary increase proposals, things like that, those getting pushed aside. You know, things like that gets to be frustrating, but, you know, I, yeah, that's about it. Those, those are about it. Yeah. What what school or who has handled everything the right way, in your opinion? Obviously, people that you've worked with, I think, 
Um, I don't think you'd be working for someone if they handled something super immaturely or uh, very unprofessional, but um, what, what could someone do to that sets the standard across the board of like, okay, they've handled this very professionally. I'd say anybody that I've worked with who treats you as like a person, you're not just a cog in the whatever organization oh, you're yeah. working with, where it's just like we had a saying at, at UPenn, it was like, just be cool. Like if you have to have a hard conversation with somebody, just have it with them and show some compassion. And that's it. Like if you have to let somebody go, look them in the eye and, you know, show some compassion, thank them for their services and stuff like that. Um, just be cool. So anybody who has treated you as a human first, other than just an employee, like you're just our strength coach. I mean, that's been great. Like Jim Steele, like was like the guy for that. Um, I mean, I spent 10 years there. So I've, I've watched him interview people and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, wow, like that's, that's a good way to handle that. And, and, and so forth. Um, you know, I had interviews um, with uh, Alejo over at Cal State Northridge. He was great, um, willing to give feedback, giving you conversations, keeping you on abreast, keeping you aware of like what's going on within the the process. Um, who else? Uh, the Tennessee Titans. They were a great organization to work with. Again, communication first, and and treating you as a human. It's not like you're just coming here to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, for the most part, like. Just be cool. I mean, that's that's it. Yeah, and I love I love your rule set. We had talked earlier about some of the rules that you have at NC State, and I can I can tell that um, you having ownership of a program, you're taking a lot of in, a lot of uh, inspiration from guys that you worked with in the past or different programs. Uh, if you want to just touch on your your rules that you have for your employees, I think that's a good example of, of who you are as a person or what workplace you like to shoot for. Um. It was, and I stole, I, I was telling Steele this the other day, I stole this from him, is do your job, uh, show up on time, and no surprises. And then I added one, which he told me I needed to shorten up because it didn't fit the other three, but it was... Uh, well, that's, that one's, this one's my favorite one. Don't complain. Yeah. And if you do, you got to make light of it. Just keep it funny because our job's not hard. Um, we're not digging ditches or anything like that. And, you know, coaches, you know, may get annoying sometimes with their requests and stuff, but like make it a joke. I mean, they got their own thoughts that, you know. Yeah. I go with, uh, I tell all my athletes, please just don't, don't add on any no shit statements to the day. If you walk in and it's 45 degrees out, please do not tell me that it's cold outside. Like <laughs> you guys are dying. I get it, but at least make it a joke. Yeah. It's, it's raining. Yeah. You're going to get wet. That's it. Yeah, oh my God, coach, I'm late because it's wet. Well, like everyone, everyone has to deal with that today. That's not, a, that's not an excuse. I've never heard that as a no, no, no shit statements. I got you. Yeah. I got that. I got that from one of my lacrosse coaches and, and I've, I've stuck with that since. Yeah. So I imagine the, the difference in the days between a, a home soccer match and away soccer match for NC State is completely different than an away or home game for the Tennessee Titans. What are the differences in terms of your responsibilities through an away game versus a home game for each of those teams? Each of well, those I don't I don't travel with men's soccer. That's yeah. one. Um, I used to warm them up uh, for their in for their uh home games, but I no longer, I no longer do that. So I'll show up for this essentially support. Um, whereas with the Tennessee Titans, it was, you showed up four to five hours before the game, mm -hmm. you know, you're uh, warming the guys up on the field, 
um, have bands and everything else and stuff ready for them on the field and then warm them up and then your sideline duty. Um, and that, and it wasn't so much like get back coaching or anything like that. It was just because at that point they know stay in the box, stay off the field. Yeah. And uh, so you're just kind of there for support as well. Um, uh, volleyball, uh, volleyball, I do warm up on game days. Um, I also do not travel with them. Um, but warm up on game days for volleyball. And that and that's that's all right now for for your away games are pretty nice, I guess. You just get to watch. I, well, if, yeah. If I, if, well, if they're going to, you know, if they're flying somewhere, I'm not. Go, I'm not going. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. No, no. Um, so yeah, I get those days, and I get to get away, and you know, stay in the office and catch up on the boring stuff of the job, the admin stuff, and things like that. Yeah, during during your NFL time, were you guys using GPS data at all to kind of monitor how guys move throughout? Because sometimes I, I look at the the pregame warm-up and just think to myself, they're running around so damn much before this game. Um, in terms of mileage, had, did you ever look at how many how many uh, yards they're running before the game actually starts? Are you guys monitoring that? Um, I personally did not. Um. We usually typically use that catapult stuff for practices and things like that. Um, they're not running around that much. Yeah, I just remember when we went down to to Charlotte for the A&T NC Central game. Um, I think we had accounted for a couple guys running over 500 or 1,000 yards before the game started. Because okay. they just kept going out. They'd, like, come in, get a fruit snack, go back out, run routes, come back in, like, do some more taping on themselves, like go out, run some more. Um, yeah. became, like guys, like you can just sit down and like, you know, mentally prepare yourself. You don't have to. Yeah. That. But you, you kind of let that shit go. Like on game day, the, the day belongs to you guys. I'm here to, oh, give yeah, you, what yeah. you, you know what I mean? So have a ball. What am I going to tell them? Say, Hey, you're, you're up. Like go sit down. Like now nah, have yeah. a ball. I wasn't was going to say anything. Cause I was like, I want to be out there too. Cause it's the Carolina Panther stadium. Like I'm not going to not let them like go out there. It's like, you guys right. You guys are cool. Please, please uh, breathe in the atmosphere here. This is yeah, cool. of course. Um, is there is there a team environment that that you're trying to create on game day? Are there speech responsibilities for for Coach Bartlett at all? Does anyone want you to speak before the game just to hype them up? Or uh, some some of them will ask for it, but I'm like, guys, like, you know, what? Like, I'm just gonna pull some you know, scripted speech out of my thinking does it's not very fitting. Do you have one do you have one banked just in case in your no, head? No. Usually uh usually I'll make them laugh and, and lighten them up a little bit because it sometimes they get a little stiff or you know whatever. Um this is mostly for volleyball. Um men's soccer, you know, you give them, you know, they're all juiced up. They're they're pretty juiced and you give them fist bumps and stuff like that. But uh volleyball, they'll ask for it sometimes. But most of the time, the speech comes in the middle of a lift or in the middle of something yeah. that we're doing, and you got to address it. And then they're like, you know, eyes wide, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. But never, never scripted unless unless you're told, like, you got to give a speech or something like that. Yeah, see, obviously, you're, you're very educated when it comes to performance-based stuff. And, and I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts about uh, the mental side as well. And being lighthearted and, and whatnot, it doesn't seem like you would uh, cuss anyone out or make something to be a, you know, 
a blood blood pressure rising situation where where people are stressed to be around you i think you're very uh easy to be around or, or even easy to play for in terms is there a, is there a research side of what atmosphere you like to create for the players in terms of um not putting too much pressure on them or what have you seen in terms of the psychological side of of the conversations you like to have with athletes um or is this just you as a person you're just like they're gonna this, do <laughs> this is probably more me as a person all i know is that the like there's nothing better than a little bit of encouragement and i think that a lot of the kids need just some of that um and then giving them structure where there's fucking chaos and the rest of their lives like practice gets moves around uh you know playing time gets moved around things like that. But they come to the weight room, they know exactly what to get from me. I mean, we're going to have fun. It's lifting weights. Like it's lifting weights, no matter, you know, whenever it is like, just do what you're capable of doing. And that's all that I ask you to do. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm laid back and I like to have a good time. Like I said, the weight rooms is fun for me. So I want them to see it as another room of possibility and a fun place to be because they get to push themselves. Yeah, I always tell my athletes, like, this should not be the worst part of your day. If, if this is starting to become the worst part of your day, please let me know so that I can make some adjustments, whether it be uh, music, atmosphere, or even some of the lifts that you want to add in. I'm, I'm always trying to advocate for, for more of personality to be brought out from, from them as athletes. That's exactly right. Yeah. So being in the early 2000s, I think the information system was a little different. You didn't have Instagram or podcasts or anything like that. What are some resources that you valued early on as a young coach? What kind of books were you reading um, versus what you do now as a coach? And I'm sure you're not um, hammering in uh, principle-based training books at, at this day and age, but but what do, you, what do you do now to keep up with information? What did you do versus a young um, Well, back then it was like forums, like Elite FTS had forums, like yeah. Football Scoop had forums, like everybody was posting their training logs. People were more willing to jump on the phone with you and all this kind of stuff. So I did a lot of that and I was surrounded by, you know, like I, I grew up with in the strength and conditioning piece where all of my supervisors were 20, 30 year veterans. Like, so they had lots of information and knew lots of people. So when I was with steel, Greg Werner, um, you know, all these, you know, Roger Marandino, all these guys, like, it was just like, all right, put me in contact with your people. Give me all your books. Like, you know, Roger's giving me Russian trainer manuals, you know, Steele's introducing me to everybody, powerlifting and everybody, you know, football and, you know, strength and conditioning wise. And I was reading everything now. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I do a lot of books. Um, I typically find myself going back to like the basic stuff. Like I read a lot of, you know, like Fred Hatfield, um, like older guys that have just, that, that like are just older and it like not, not more to newer based stuff. Um, I mean, I do, but like, I will typically flock to the older stuff. Um, yeah. And then I'll piece together some newer stuff and things like that. And like our guy, one of my assistants, um, on staff, one of the assistants on staff, John Abatoy, he is in charge of our con ed. And he's always given us new things to do with all of the, the newer strength coaches that are out there now. And they're putting out books and podcasts and webinars and, and series and things like that, that we're always diving into. So that's always a help. 
Has there been something the last couple of years or even the last 10 years or, or so that has kind of changed the way you look about training that someone's come out with either a book or just a new way of doing something? Um, I would just, uh, I can't think of anything off top, but I would just say less is more. Yeah. Like, you know, I've, I started off, I don't know if this is a normal thing with just like more volume and trying to like, you know, cover every bucket, like, you know, fill every bucket every single day you see your, you know, your athletes and things like that. But then it's just kind of gone to less is more and you get a little bit more out of your athletes that way. So. Yeah, keep the focus to focus in the weight room. Uh huh. And then, what do you think it has become easier to learn nowadays with all the resources? Absolutely not. That's what I was about to say. Early on, it seems like not that it was easier, but it just seems so much more simple in terms of this is what you need. Well, you get paralysis by analysis. There's all this shit that's just out there. And then, like, especially if you're a younger strength coach, I feel kind of bad for you because you get bombarded by a lot of bullshit. And if you don't know what the hell is going on or you don't know what's kind of like tried and true and things like that, you'll go read, you know, not saying that, you know, you go read something of some, you know, some guy that's being a clown. You're like, oh, he's the one. And then you're like, oh, wait, he's not. No, he's not. And then it's like, you know, you just get bombarded by bullshit. Whereas, you know, when I was coming up, it was just, it was less shit out there on the internet to grab because the internet wasn't as, or at least training and all that. It wasn't so easy to grab all the information. Now it's just everywhere and anybody can post anything with, with, yeah, it's just, it's a little bit terrible, but it's good in the same thing. You got to know how to decipher it. Yeah. I mean, I look at uh, people around my age and it's just so easy to get caught up in like weird influences where it's like, how'd you find out about this shit? And like, why, (laughs) what made you even like, think that this is a good idea yeah yeah it's interesting people get caught up with like a lot of weird stuff but like you said i think the basics are are always going to stay the basics and probably the best way to look back on on things and and coaching styles uh chrissy this has been great and we're running out of time here if you wanted to give a shout out or anything or where can people find you um if they wanted to check out nc state how do they do that um anything they want to plug you can plug floors yours i got nothing to plug but i got uh i guess if you want to Get me, uh, hit me up. You can find me on the NC State website. There's my email there. And then as far as social media goes, um, on Instagram, it's Bartlett C42. Um, but I don't really do too much training stuff. It's just mostly my dog. Yeah. And my both of my dogs and stuff like that. But you know, if you want to DM me or something like that, I can get up to you, um, get up with you pretty easily there. Yeah. Awesome. Reach out. I, again, she's, she's been great in terms of just sharing information and whatnot. She doesn't bite at all. So I'm um, reach out and then, um, yeah, check out NC state. I know that you guys are probably, uh, due for, due for a little renovation in the weight room and whatnot, but I think NC state probably still has got everyone beating the triangle. Don't you think? I don't know. I haven't been to the other weight rooms yet, but nah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Echo. Uh, appreciate you coming on Christine. Thanks for having me, Brennan.